1: morning, Bucknoters. Welcome to the Bucknotes Morning 5 here on Monday, January 6th, 2020. I am Dave Biddle, very happy to be joined by Steve Hellwagon. Steve, Sean Wade coming back is absolutely huge. We'll get to uh, you know what the defensive backfield might look like for the Buckeyes in 2020, along with Mr. Sean Wade, but him coming back, absolutely huge. If you would have asked me at the end of the season, I would have said, unfortunately, I think his uh, last play is going to be that BS targeting college he never should have been ejected for a play like that and i thought that might be the end of his career but he uh i, mean, I think by the time you know saturday rolled around a lot of it had leaked out but still in general you know if you have asked me you know right after the season i thought sean wade was gone so it was a very pleasant surprise and it's just huge news for the buckeyes
2: i agree 100 percent, dave i think that uh, you get a call back he's an all big 10 potential uh all-american type player like sean wade Uh, he could have the kind of impact that Jeff Okuda had perhaps, you know, this coming season. And that can't be understated because uh, they had moved to basically a three cornerback rotation uh, with one safety. And uh, if you don't have one cornerback, it's hard to have three. And so him coming back, you you would assume in in most cases, they're going to put him at least until some other guys are in their stripes, he's going to be on the top receiver. And then erase uh, that player, and then you go from there. You'll have seven banks and Amir Reap and Cameron Brown all right there, you know, next in line, maybe a Tyreek Johnson if he ever gets healthy, and then whoever else they bring in. But uh, I am very interested in, uh, in seeing this defense with Sean Wade in uh, 2020. It's it could be night and day as to what it could have been just because you have a, a front line corner you can lock people down and then you build around that from there. It just changes everything in terms of the pass rush and everything else, the linebackers responsibilities and everything else. So, yeah, I think, uh, I think it means a lot.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tremendous. I mean, he's a, uh... He absolutely, you know, could have turned pro and, you know, would have been a second-day draft pick, in my opinion, meaning second round or third round. Um, but he wants to work his way, and he maybe he could have been a first-round pick. I know there are some people out there projecting him as a first-rounder. Um, but he wants to come back, and, you know, and be like a top-15 pick. He wants to come back, you know, his father, and I love this, you know, that, you know, it's – He's now the spotlight player on defense, and I think that was a big selling point for him to return. I'm sure Ryan Day and, right, would have been silly not to sell that, Steve. That You know, hey, you know, Chase Young's not going to be here. Jeff Okuda's not going to be here. All these guys, you're going to be like our star guy. You're going to be the guy we market on defense. Justin Fields' offense, Sean Wade, former five-star, former number one corner in the country, or number two corner. Okay, I guess Okuda was the number one corner in that unbelievable 2017 class that they signed, and they still have – you know two of the best two of the five stars you know with baron browning coming back as well but let's dig deeper on the uh Let's dig a little deeper on who might line up with Wade. I think Seven Banks is probably most likely to be the other corner, and they're going to use Cameron Brown a lot. So uh, Wade, and they can move Wade around, which is great. Um, So, yeah, I think they're going to have Wade and Banks as a starter, with uh, Cameron Brown kind of as a pseudo-starter there, depending on if they're a nickel or how many DBs they have. Um, And safety is a little tougher, Steve. I think Amir Reap, Josh Proctor is a guy I like to see start, but Marcus Hooker started to come on just, you know, you, know, you touched on that a little bit already, but who do you think is going to be, if you had to guess right now, who do you think is going to be the uh, the four starters in the secondary for the Buckeyes?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think you have to decide with Reap. You know, he did fill in at cornerback uh, out of necessity. Is his better spot uh, to play safety? And it very well could be. Uh, I think some of that will be um, how well Seven Banks does, uh, Cam Brown, if he's ready to go. So I think you have some variables there. I think you have to be very excited about, um, you know, turning the new leaf. Well, basically in the secondary, you lost Jeff Halfway as well. I know we're going to get into coaching a little bit here in just a second. But I, I think that uh, you got to determine uh, where REAP is going to be uh, most beneficial. I think Proctor is obviously the top choice in safety. There's no question about that and uh, then uh, Marcus Hooker probably after him, and we'll see after that. But, uh, again, uh, those guys, you know, what's interesting, Dave, and and this is something that I've said repeatedly, is you can't understate the fact that Ohio State blew everybody they played out, for the most part, all season long, and those guys were playing 30 to 40% of the snaps. And that happened across the board. I mean, they were playing – Wholesale backups, you know, late second quarter, most of the third quarter, nearly every game they played. So, to me, I think you can't understate the fact that guys have at least played. And uh, now it's a matter of uh, fine-tuning their game and getting them to be a caliber where Ohio State can win another Big Ten championship. So, to me, I think uh, it's very exciting heading into into the 2020 season.
1: It really is. It just puts a whole new uh, face on the defense with Sean Wade coming back. I mean, it just, um, with their losses up front on the D-line, and they're going to be able to reload on the defensive line to a certain extent. But, um, you know, having him back just kind of solidifies that defense. Yeah, let's get into the Kerry Combs conversation. The Tennessee Titans just, you know, keep messing this up by by doing things like winning, including winning Charlie Sheen. knocking off the New England Patriots, so good for Mike Vrabel out out Belichick-ing Belichick, which was really cool to see, and Kerry Combs moving on for another week. All this means out there, listeners, is you're going to have to wait an extra week. I mean, think about how you've heard nothing else. Nothing else, no names have been floated out there. They're just waiting to do this the right way. Kerry Combs will be the defensive back coach at Ohio State. I have no doubt about that. And they're just waiting until the Titans get eliminated from the playoffs. Um, I think that's just a gentleman's agreement they have. They're not going to do anything public until then. um, That's what I'm hearing, Steve. Uh, Kerry Combs, to me, I think he is definitely on his way as soon as the Titans get eliminated. Maybe they'll win the Super Bowl, though. Who knows?
2: Yeah, I think uh, what was interesting was uh, a lot of people knew about this or surmised it and had kept it under wraps until that game went final. And then everybody was coming out on Twitter and, and saying, well, I guess it'll be another week till Kerry comes, comes back to Ohio State. So the cat is out of the bag in a lot of respects with a lot of respected people, uh, tweeting that out, but, uh. That uh, that was the direction that Ryan Day wanted to go, and uh, he will be uh, stalled on that for one week. He has no control over the NFL playoffs, believe it or not. And uh, wow, what a stunning victory for Mike Vrabel! I mean, the uh, pupil comes back to beat the teacher. You had to think, you know, with how smug that hoodie is that when the Titans uh hired him out he had only been with Bill O'Brien with the Texans for a couple of years that, that uh Hoodie had to be like, Whoa, there's there's one we won't have to have to worry about and and you know he inherited kind of a playoff roster there uh with Tennessee. They'd been to the playoffs and the second year here you go into foxborough Nobody gave him a shot and uh New England's problems from all season kind of came home to roost. That, uh, yeah, they were 12 and 4, but it wasn't a pretty 12 and 4. They were kind of scuffling most of the way, and uh, that was uh, borne out. And uh, Tennessee uh, went in there and got the win, and good for them. And, you know, I don't look at this as any big problem for Ohio State because uh, uh, you are still in a dead period until probably Friday, or, uh, well, no. Probably till the middle of the following week because you have the championship game as a Monday, and then they probably have the Football Coaches Association convention after that, and so I don't think anybody is welcoming guys for visits until a week from Friday. And obviously, with Ohio State twenty-four signees, there's not a whole lot that needs to be determined there. Cameron Martinez uh, get get him hooked up with whoever's taking over in the secondary and and kind of go from there. But, you know, I I don't worry too much about that. I think uh I did a preliminary count, Dave. They're still like four or five over on scholarships, uh one because Jonathan Cooper and Justin Hilliard are coming back and uh you know, Sean Wade didn't leave. <laughs> so, you know, they Ryan Day's got some roster management issues, I think, first and foremost, but the good news for him is, uh, you know, I think our friend Pat Murphy was working on a gallery of guys who might be, uh, interested in transferring or whatever. And there's, there's a little bit of fat on that roster that they could trim, uh, to, to get it down, uh, to, uh, 85, even if they were able to take, uh, Jameer Gibbs, the running back or whoever, you know, here on the aftermarket. So, kind of meandering there starting with carry combs and then coming back around the roster management but <laughs> a lot of moving parts and pieces right now for ryan day and and i don't see any negatives in it really uh, at all
1: that's what we do here on, on the Bucknut morning five we meander we opine uh we just bs in general uh last thing Let's give our very early expectations for the 2020 Buckeyes, but I think the expectations don't really change. I think they're going to be a top-five team to begin the season. Year two, the Justin Fields era on offense is going to be exciting. You have to think he's going to be better as a second-year starter, and he was tremendous this past season. Um, And getting three starting offensive linemen back is absolutely huge. Wide-receiving core will be young other than Chris Olave, but extremely exciting, you know, Running back, a little bit of a question, Mark. I think people are writing off Master Teague now all of a sudden. after Everybody loves Master Teague now everybody hates Master Teague. Everybody just chill. Master Teague will be just fine. We'll see some other running backs that will step up. But defense with Wade coming back, I think they're going to have a total of maybe five starters total back on defense now. Um, Steve Hellwagon, your very, 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 very way too early expectations for the 2020 Buckeyes.
2: You know, I have not studied two deeps all across the country, but I'm going to install Clemson probably at number one just because Lawrence is coming back. And when uh, when they did meet on the field, they beat Ohio State. That's just a cold, hard fact of the matter. And I don't know how many seniors and, and uh, juniors they're going to lose. But as of right now, I would put them number one. I don't think LSU without Joe Burrow is going to be considered that highly. In fact, I think Alabama would return uh, to the top spot in the West. But for Ohio State, I think they're top three. I think they're right there. Justin Fields puts them top three going into next season. I don't think there's any doubt about that. They've got so many guys coming back on both sides of the ball. As we said, okay, it may not be a starter, but it's a guy who did play you know, several hundred plays this year and, uh, has experience. I mean, you, you've got a roster of guys, I think, that would be hungry to come in and take over. Uh, you know, uh, Nicholas Petit-Ferrer Tackle. He was supposed to play quite a bit. Didn't really work out. Is he ready to go now? Guess we'll find out. So, yeah, I guess there's, there's a lot of guys like that. To me, Teague has got to get in the Marathi program and gain a step. That that's gotta happen. I mean, that's gotta be job one is if he's four six, four seven, gotta get him down to four five. I just think that's that's what he's gotta be. So and if he is, he's gonna be a he's gonna be a monster. He could be a monster because it's gonna take a lot of guys to bring him down if he's got a head of steam rolling. And so to me, I think he's got the potential to be a great back, and I still want to see what uh, Chambers and Crowley have to offer. Uh, defensively, um, Clemson found them. Clemson found the linebacker core, uh, the quarterback run, the two screens. Not just one, the two screens, the ATN, or whatever you call them, dump-offs, for touchdowns. Uh, you know, Those linebackers were good enough to win the Big Ten. You could beat Penn State. You could beat Michigan State. You could beat Nebraska, you could beat Wisconsin twice, but you could not beat Clemson and uh I think they got some the soul search you to do there. Is this time for Taraja Mitchell, Kavon Pope, Dallas Gantt to get a look and uh, you know, steal some reps from those uh, those guys who played quite a bit at linebacker. I don't know. I'm not sure they're good enough to win the national championship with that group. And uh you know, that's just me just me talking. I don't know. But uh, Clemson found them. We know that. So, uh, yeah, interested. Interested to see where it goes. Fourth Big Ten championship in a row is uh, is the goal, the first goal, and then go from there. But a uh, tough schedule at Oregon. That's going to be tough. Uh, I believe what it rotates now. Back to Happy Valley, uh, October 24th. Already some uh, speculation on our boards. Will that be the traditional whiteout and uh, Fox would be in world series
1: coverage at that Let me answer the question there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It will be a Mm -hmm. whiteout. Every time, every time plays play state, it's a whiteout now.
2: Well, I haven't looked at the schedule, but what, what my initial blush is with Michigan, not hosting Notre Dame is that's not going to be ESPN's second pick. You know what I mean? Like, if ESPN had second pick of all the games all season and that game's not on the schedule, the obvious second pick is Ohio state at Penn state. So I think that falls to ESPN ABC. And I think they put that on at eight o'clock, but I need to look at the schedule because that's what it kind of comes down to. I think they took uh Notre Dame at Michigan with the number two pick last year and uh, then Fox reverted back and, and had Penn state at Ohio state. So, yeah, it is what it is, but uh, you know, again, so much to happen here in the off season. Guys coming and going, and uh, you know, you know, I think another wide play of this off season is Fields. Do they have him undergo a procedure to get that cleaned up? Does that rule him out for the spring? All these other things, but you know, he's going to have Garrett Wilson. He's going to have uh, Chris Olave, and they're going to put they're going to average. Better than forty points a game. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and it's just going to be uh, the defense uh, can can they hold teams down? And uh, this year they did for the most part, and uh, we'll see next year if they can do it.
1: Great stuff as always from Steve Hellwag. I really appreciate it, Steve, and really appreciate all the listeners out there for tuning into the show. Hope everyone has a great day. Let's hear that Buckeye Swag, best band in the land.